Casey. Mm. Casey. Yeah, I'm sleeping. I'm Dr. Sleeping. No, we have to make a podcast. We haven't made a podcast in forever. Oh, okay. Well, I got a Stephen King joke for just for this. What's that? So, what do what does a cosmic turtle and the cheese we just have have in common? I don't know. They were both cut. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say they were both made from dairy. Hey. Hey. We spent all morning on that. <laughs> <laughs> we spent all of this entire day so far on that. Time well spent. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth the pun. Um, welcome back to Talk Nerdy to Me, baby, with me, Amy, and he, Casey. He. <laughs> he. <laughs> this was an episode we were going to do back when we saw Dr. Sleep, I think it was like oh, two weeks ago. Yeah. It took us time. Casey, as an update, before we get into the whole thing, Casey moved, and we had to move. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I had a birthday. There was, she did. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of work stuff going on, and we just needed a little, like, siesta from the creativity. Because of Amy and her Amyness, November is busy. Yeah. For many reasons. November is, I, I think I made a tweet about this. November is historically my least productive month every <laughs> single year. <laughs> Just because, like, my birthday hits in the very beginning of the month. And then, like, from then to the end of November, I'm just like, I have so much else on my mind. All the holidays. I actually made Thanksgiving dinner this year. You did. I did. I was there. You were. It was good. He stirred. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fun fact, Casey is largely useless. That's why he's an actor. <laughs> you weren't useless. You stirred very well. You, you, hopped from, you hopped from the different things I asked you to, you to stir very well and efficiently. Well, I am versatile. Much like Stephen King thinks his writing is. Oh. oh the birds have started. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we saw Dr. Sleep, and we decided just to do a, a Stephen King-filled episode, which is what this is. An examination of the Stephen King cinematic universe. Yes. Which that seems we've to be seen. Thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, as the Honest Trailer for It 2 pointed out, we are in a second Stephen king essence because there's lots of Stephen King stuff out. There really is. And we we decided not to do an episode when we saw It Chapter 2. Yeah. We, we, we talked a little bit about it once we... Uh, when we did our, our wrap-up. Yeah, our movie. Hello, Kitty. Hello, yes. hello, Kitty. You are beating up the chair. Yep, she is attacking <laughs> the chair and staring at us in judgment. As if we were the ones attacking the chair. But in fact, it was her all along. Much like Pennywise attacks everyone. Except he doesn't. If you're a main character, <laughs> then you're fine. Just don't be a child. Unless you're Eddie. R.I.P. Eddie. So, spoilers for <laughs> it I mean, stuff. here's the thing about spoilers for it. You had... The entire time the book's been out, the entire time the miniseries has been out, and then the entire time since the It Chapter 2 came out. Does he die in the miniseries? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think in the miniseries he dies a different way. He loses an arm and bleeds out. It's a, it's a like, story point with, like, how he broke his arm in the first one, and then he loses that arm in the battle with it in the second Wow, one. full circle. Yeah, wow, he didn't get impaled. Sorry, Oops. I'm bitter about the fact that you kill off everything that has to do with any LGBT in your entire movie yeah, in I was just horrible talking, ways. I was just talking yesterday about the beginning of It Chapter 2, which is the main reason why we didn't do an episode on it. Yeah, because uh, we both really didn't like that. <laughs> uh, and the response of, oh, it's in the book, it's in the book. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. It's There's yeah. many things you cut out. That you thought were 
you know, not great to have in the modern day that are in that book. Like, you know, a child orgy. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, you don't need to do that. But you also, okay, welcome to the examination of Stephen King and what we like and what we don't like and just thoughts on Stephen King. We're getting right into it. What you didn't do in the movie is that around that death of, oh, I forget what his name is. It starts with an A. Um, the character that dies. He does have a name. Uh, I want to say something close to Aiden. I don't, I don't remember. It might have been Aiden. Was it Aiden? It might have been Aiden. Something close to that. Yeah. So he, he dies. In the book, as much as I, again, don't really agree with the kill all your gays trope that Stephen King has a big trouble with of making either them evil or dead. Uh, evil dead? Wrong franchise. Uh. Um, what you don't see is in the book there's at least like written into the scene around that the the context of you know Pennywise making the town itself evil and there's more of a context of what happens to him being an influence of Pennywise on the town Yeah, which I think they they maybe tried to do for this but it doesn't read yeah I mean that was the argument of why they thought it was fine because it's like, but it shows that Pennywise is making the town evil. But it it's like doesn't. It, it's more like the town was evil, and then Pennywise is like, "Oh, cool, free body. Yeah. I'm hungry." Because like you don't. Here's the thing: in the rest of that movie, and in most, like, here's the thing: most of the adults in the first movie kind of suck. They're mostly just useless. Like they're not really evil. They're just useless. Like, they just specifically don't see things. But then you get to the second movie, and nothing there says that th- this town is evil because of Pennywise. Like, you have your average small town awful people, but everything else, they don't spend any time with the town. You have nothing that says, you know... Pennywise's influence is making this town do horrible things. You just see people in this town do horrible things. Yeah, I think the thing about... And let's talk... We can say some good things. Like, I really liked the first movie of this. The first movie was great. Uh, Because it showed uh, glimpses of everyone's parents and family before like the Pennywise influence started to really hit. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see a difference or you can see that like these bad sides or these bad aspects are being pulled to the surface or uh, amplified. Amplified. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Cause, cause Beverly's dad is always awful. Yeah. And Eddie's mom is two skips away from having like Munchausen by proxy. And, you get like the sense of all these things, but you get the sense that once Pennywise's influence starts to come around, like they get amplified a little bit, but they were already bad. But you don't get any of that setup or even follow up. You just get these guys doing something awful. Yeah, it's like, okay, but homophobia is a real thing and it's really bad. And, and also, a lot of like, people die. And, and it was. It's not even, like, taking place in the 80s or anything like that. No, it's taking place right now. And they didn't... There's no thing later on that's just like, oh, Pennywise really drew that out of them or anything. It was just like, a okay, great. So we just wanted to show a really homophobic moment and not even acknowledge the tragedy of it or anything. And also have it be one of the most, like realistic scenes of violence in this movie. And you can't like argue that it's like, well, it's in the book. It's like, okay, but being in the book and having relevance to the plot yeah. is not the same thing. No. And Stephen King has a lot of things in his book that don't really help any of his story. <laughs> yeah. So, he's a fluffer. Uh, <laughs> he's a fluff and nutter. He's got... A lot of fluff in his books. And so I think a lot of times that is a challenge that it seems to happen with adapting his material. And I guess that's why, like, one of the reasons, like, yeah, I didn't like that scene in It Chapter 2. But I guess I was just disappointed because it felt like they they were running a pretty tight story. 
in it chapter one because yeah. that movie really is like really good i think it's it's like one of my top horror movies just because like how well crafted it is and just and the kid actors are great the acting is really good and you care about all of those characters but but you a don't lot get... of them i didn't i stopped caring about them in this in the second one yeah because you didn't get a chance to you were either overrun with scenes that we didn't need from the first movie like yeah, like, they seem like deleted scenes from yeah. chapter one. So you were overrun with that, or you had everyone, like, the the best things that came from these characters were their interactions and their relationships with each other, when instead, the majority of this movie is spent with them sep- separated, trying to get their totems. Uh, another thing I heard was they compared it to video game logic, where it's like, everyone has their side quests that they have to do yeah. before they get back to the main quest. Yeah, and it, it just didn't work, and it just... It felt so much like rehashing, which, again, in the book, it kind of is because you're you're reading a story that's two stories parallel to each other. But when you do as two movies, you really needed to not hang on to anything you didn't need from the first one. Yeah, I mean, I get it's like the first one was really successful mm-hmm. and like one of I think it might be like the most successful horror movie mm-hmm. as far as like box office and stuff. Uh and they're like, man, people like this movie, and they like the kids. We need to put them back in it. It's like, well, not necessarily, because what you're doing is separating them into to individual yeah. stories. And so we don't need to to go back. No, and we just and I there were parts where they went back that made sense, like at the end when they show them as kids in the reflections. You know what I mean? Like that parallel, or like a. Hit, uh, one like little cutaway so you're like oh my gosh this one is that person this one's that person like that makes sense and you know maybe one scene with the kids but the thing was not only did we take a time for when all the kids get together to show all the kids together and do all this because you decided you needed things in this movie that you didn't establish in your other movie like the clubhouse like yeah I was just like you know they didn't why couldn't they have just filmed a scene that they they knew that they were going to make a sequel? They even said at the end of the first movie, I was like, we'll return. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why didn't they film that scene before so they didn't have to like de-age them? <laughs> I don't know. And it was also like, I like all of the actors that they got as the adult actors. But they a lot of them didn't feel like they fit. Yeah. They did and not that they didn't fit the character, but they didn't fit the character established by the younger actor. Like I think the guy who played Eddie and I think Yeah, he was spot on. He like he, he looked great. the same. Yeah, and like, his mannerisms were the same. They had that same kind of manic energy. Yeah. The guy who played Eddie, I was like, dude, I know what the kid's gonna look like when he grows up. Right? <laughs> He's gonna look exactly like that. <laughs> um his name's like James Ranson or something like that, is the guy who plays Eddie as an adult. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Hader does a great job being Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. And then... Because Finn Wolf... There's the whole story of, like, Finn Wolfhard specifically asked for Bill Hader. She's <laughs> like, thanks for the job, man. <laughs> um, and then I actually think uh, Isaiah Mustafa did a good job as the older Mike. Yeah. Who we barely got to see in the in first, the first movie. one. Yeah. Yeah. I when I watched H chapter two again, he he gets more lines than I thought he did because like they take so much away from him. But uh, as I was like, he did a really good job as like that kind of character and the having the world weariness of having never left Derry. Yeah. Um, and so like I think they did a good job. I was not the biggest fan of the guy who played older Ben. I, he was pretty i guess he's not my type of guy but like he was like the Uh. model (laughs) (laughs) yes no i was just like what is your type oh i didn't know i didn't know (laughs) please continue (laughs) she likes nerds (laughs) yeah they're my favorite candy so this (laughs) (laughs) so i get what they were going for but he the the actor didn't really do much like he doesn't he just doesn't like the young kid had a lot of like heart to him 
And it's not that this guy was like, uh, seemed like a jerk. He just was a little flat for me. And he didn't seem to have that same kind of sweetness just inherently in him as the younger kid. And then I really like the young girl who plays Beverly. Like, she's, yeah, that's why she's working right now. I know. She's busy. She's, <laughs> and she's great. But she has like a wild strength to her. Whereas, like, that's the young girl. Just like, she has a sense, like, she has such a strength to her. But I, I say wild because she, she has like this, like, attitude that just seems like you can't cage it. You know what I mean? Whereas uh, Jessica Chastain, Jessica Chastain doesn't. She has a strength to her, but she has a quiet, and she like can't not feel a little regal. And to me, the two of them just didn't mesh that way. Like I liked both separate characters, but they weren't the same character. So I wasn't able to care about Beverly's story the same way I did because I was like, I really enjoyed this one, and I think if I didn't, I wasn't constantly thinking of how much I liked this character we established in the first movie, I would have liked your character better. Yeah. I kind of felt the same way about uh, James McAvoy. Yeah. It was like, both were great. Like, the individual performances were really good. Uh, Like, I mean, the acting was not the problem in either of these movies. Like, everyone is doing their job and doing the best with what they have. Uh, But, yeah, it just seemed like the characters didn't line up for me. Yeah. But... uh, Also... He just had his his voice for Bill was just slightly weird. Yeah. Um, but so let's let's talk a little bit. We've 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 uh, rehashed punched the the clown punching bag of of it chapter two a lot, which isn't to say that we hated it. I I know I, I still liked it. Like I would definitely watch it again and skip the beginning and see if I like it more. But okay, the last thing about it. Oops. Thank you, computer. Uh, the thing that, the other thing about It Chapter 2 is like the scariest. No, the thing is different. That's John Carpenter. Uh, it, it, it. <laughs> the thing about It Chapter 2 and Pennywise is that Pennywise is scariest when he's interacting with children who, you know, have that inherent, like, innocence and fear about them, like in the first movie. The thing about him scaring all the adults is that it comes across kind of not as scary. They relied so much on all the CG effects. That's another thing I was saying, too. Yeah, it's just like these are things that would scare a child, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make as much sense to scare an adult with it. Right. It's different. And And I get that there is like a whole thing. I kind of fell into the fandom for a little while for reasons and one of the things that people like to talk about is the fact that like they that the characters got stuck like developmentally at you know where they were at when they fought it the first time and when they leave Jerry and forget everything which the having to go through oh my gosh I remember everything oh my gosh I remember everything oh my gosh I remember everything so many times was a little much. But the the thing is, like, they hit that developmental stage and don't really get to grow beyond it. That's why Richie's still in the closet. That's, you know, he never got to be that. That's why Eddie ends up marrying his mom. That's why Beverly ends up marrying her dad. And you they get stuck in that thing because they never got to remember that they learned how to be braver than the situations they were in. And I get that. And I get that's why they have to kind of re-go through their story. But it's still like it doesn't really work with the pacing of this story. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep. Definitely. Yes. Sometimes there are kitties. <laughs> we, we are now reached the kitty segment of this <laughs> and would like to know Kitty's thoughts on Stephen King as a whole. But not Kitty's thoughts on standing on laptops. Because she has a very strong stance on that, which is do it <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a bit about uh, Stephen King's books. Books. I have not read a single book of Stephen King. So I... <laughs> Stephen King? King? I, that's a level that I don't want to go into. I don't want to know what people think about Pennywise. I know... No. So, Stephen King. Um, I've read... Let's see. I've read a lot of... 
a couple of his bind-ups of short stories. And then I tried to read The Dark Tower. (laughs) (laughs) And my thing about Stephen King... No, Arwen! Well, I probably don't remember to edit that piece out, so Arwen stepped on the laptop just like we said she would. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... The thing about Stephen King's writing is I like his overall ideas. I tend to like the adaptations better because they cut out all the fluff I don't need. He writes a lot and he doesn't really edit and he doesn't really pare down. So not only do you get the meat and the bones, you get the fluff and also and also the stuffing. So it just ends up being a lot. But I, when Secret Window came out, I read the book that that's in. And then I tried reading the first book of the Dark Tower series. And I really like the ideas in the Dark Tower. And of, of all the ones I've tried to read, because I did try to read The Shining and I did try to read it because I worked in a bookstore. I had access to all of these. I worked in a bookstore when Dr. Sleep came out, the book Dr. Sleep and Mr. Mercedes and all of that. And I I tried really hard to like his writing style, but just the way he does it, I like having someone else's interpretation of his work better because there are things about Stephen King's writing that I don't really like. I don't like his uh, appropriation of a lot of the different Native American things. I don't like a lot of his like ideas about LGBT and also female characters. But when you take them out of his hands, you get the best parts of the characters that he writes in a slightly more modernized context, which is generally, again, why I don't watch old things. <laughs> anyway. That's why Disney Plus has a disclaimer. We didn't change this, but people be racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there. If you watch anything on Disney Plus that's older, like, you know, you should still see this. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those things where he's this little old dude who has his ideas, and he's good at being a horror person, but he could use some help being modernly appropriate sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see his house in Maine uh, when I went to go visit my family in Maine when I was in college we drove around and they live in Maine so we were by Bangor in that area and we went by uh, his big house and he had a gate that had bats on it hmm. it was interesting but yeah I do in not dairy no it's not in dairy because dairy is not real I don't believe dairy is real no oh. but Bangor is <laughs> uh, and Maine as an entire state does feel a lot like what they show you in dairy, <laughs> which is empty and vast and cold. I was I, say, and cold. And cold. I don't. Ha- I don't think I have that photo anymore. I could try to see if I can find it. It might be on like Facebook or something from a long time ago. But that was so old that I had a flip phone. Hey. Hey. And now I have a new phone. Hey, hey, hey. That's also why you've been gone. It is. You're also- off questing to get a new phone i was off earning money enough to afford a new phone (laughs) uh so now that we've gone through the books we've listed all the books that you've read of stephen king we've listed mine (laughs) i also (laughs) have uh tried out his son's books which i like his son's writing a little better Hmm. uh so let's talk a bit about the the movies that we've seen okay uh I think we can end on Dr. Sleep because that was the most recent one we saw. Mm-hmm. We saw it together and we both really liked it. We did. So we will end with the thing that we really like. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, a pre-review of Dr. Sleep. Pre-review is saying, it didn't do that well in the box office. You should go see it. It was good. It was good. It was, it was good. very good. It was I think good. it was my favorite, probably my favorite Stephen King adapted movie. Uh, I'm not it sure. Up, it's definitely up there, at least. Uh, Let's go through the movies then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have seen mm-hmm. some of these. Have, I've seen some of them only partially. 
Like I've seen parts of Misery. Mm-hmm. I've seen parts of the Green Mile. I didn't like the Green Mile. It um, was too sad. Maybe that was it as far as the partial ones. But I've seen Secret Window. Same. I've seen The Shining. Same. I've seen... It Chapter 1 and 2. It Chapter 1 and 2. Uh, I have not seen the original miniseries. I do want to go back and watch it. I've seen bits see. and pieces of the original miniseries. Uh, it's really 80s. It has John Ritter. I know this. He's Billy, right? No, he plays Handsome Ben. Oh. He's the hot one. Oh. Hello, John Ritter. (laughs) Nice to see you looking so hot. (laughs) I would have totally pegged him for a bill. No, I'm 90% sure that I'm correct when I say this. I will look it up. Just to be sure, but I do on believe phone. on my new phone that does things faster. Um, I do believe he is uh, hot Ben. What a twist! <laughs> I mean, he was the hot kid. He was the hot guy for a while. No, I just meant because I thought he was. I was so convinced in my brain sickles that he was Bill and not Ben. Well, I mean that does make sense though because when it comes to that miniseries, people. Uh, of the people that like I know, I know two of them. I know Tim Curry, who is Pennywise, and I know John Ritter, who I would then assume because he is like the famous one I know, he would be the main main character. But no, I do not believe so. Let's see. Uh, let's. See. I think that's mostly it. It of what Bill I've... is Richard Thomas. Okay. But would you like to see um, here? I pulled up, if you would like to play along, pull up IMDb for the It Chapter 2 little one. That's Richie. Okay. And then there's Hot Ben. Hot Ben. And then Tim Curry. And then more Tim Curry. But look at look at that cast. Look, look at that cast. Man. That's Eddie. Man. That's, that's Eddie. Then you have... Older yeah. Richie. No, wait, this is older Richie. Because he, instead of being a stand-up comedian, is like a radio talk show host. And then Eddie, instead of being a risk analyst, is like a... Um, he drives limousines as like a chauffeur and owns a limousine company. Ben is still like, I think, hot architect. Beverly, I think, is still a hot clothing designer. <laughs> and Bill is still a writer. And Mike still lives in Dairy Library. Um, and it's that guy. <laughs> You okay. Know, yeah. But anyway, I just like Tim Curry. Look at his face. He's like, yeah, he's... alas. Here, I will I will save this photo so that I can put it on um, my Instagram story for this review. And if you all uh, have an urge to know what photo that we are looking at to describe the lovely cast of It chapter uh, only for the I, for the original cast. And those were my live reactions. People like live reactions. I mean... The internet loves live reactions. Or so they it would seem when it comes to uh, the things that are popular on YouTube. Yes, Arwen? And they also like cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a lot. I haven't seen a lot of Stephen King stuff. Uh, I went through a time when I never watched horror movies. And then I turned into someone who did watch horror movies. Which is, you knew me once I hit that point. So, when it comes to Stephen King, I have seen Carrie and the remake of Carrie. And I've seen, I I avoid Cujo like the plague. I've seen Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> which is, you know, might be my favorite self-indulgent Stephen King movie. Because you get to see a semi-truck with the Green Goblin's face on it. I think that was part of that... And Emilio Estevez. That part of that series of things where Stephen King was like, I'm going to make the adaptations of my material myself. It's like, <laughs> okay. Indeed. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I I never watched the Dark Tower movie. I didn't, but it has Idris Elba, which always gets my attention. Yes, but, but I, I also hear it was good. Re- really bad. 
Um, Which is a shame. I've seen Doctor Sleep. I've seen Dreamcatcher. I've seen Firestarter. I did not see Gerald's Game, the one with the wife and the husband who go away on like a romantic getaway, get kinky in a bed where they like handcuff her to the bed, and then he has a heart attack and dies, and she spends the entire movie trying to get out of it while trying not to be eaten by wild animals and also talking to the ghost of her dead husband. What a great game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did not see that one, but I saw the thing and I've like read about it because the idea is interesting. I just know that I could not actually watch that movie. Um, Green Mile, I did not like because it, it was just too sad and I could not watch all of it. I've seen Inchapter Part 1 and 2. I've seen Parts of Misery. I've seen The Mist, which talk about sad endings. The movie version of The Mist has a different ending than the actual movie, the actual Mist, and it's sad. If you want to be spoiled, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you probably won't get me to watch that movie, so that might be the only way you know. I will not watch Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I just don't like the premise. No. Also, just... That is a sad premise. No. And gross. <laughs> I've seen Secret Window. I will not watch Shawshank Redemption. I love The Shining. The Shining is probably, like, my favorite, if not, like, one of my favorites. Um, you Have you not seen Stand By Me? I have seen Stand By Me. Okay, so you've seen Stand By Me. Yeah. I have not. It's one of those that I've, like collectively seen in parts and put the puzzle pieces and together too. Uh, that's why they made a joke about uh, and there's a parallel between uh, Ben and grown up Ben because that's Jerry O'Connell mm-hmm. when he was fat. Yeah. He was fat kid and then he grew up and got Not hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then I've seen 1408 which is actually also a really good movie. It's it John Cusack. Yeah. And he goes to like the haunted room and it's just really like I I don't know if I would say it's like the best, but it's it's one I enjoyed and would watch again because it came out around the same time as all those like supernaturally kind of horrors yeah. and it's it was very interesting and I also just really like um paranormal stuff. So with Maybe that too. Yeah. And so with that one it's a lot like if for any of you who might be fans of YouTube and watched one of the YouTubers I really like, Glam and Gore, go through, like, different haunted areas and, like, do ghost readings and stuff like that, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. And so, with 1408 kind of hits that mood and is definitely worth a rewatch if you ever want to see it. Like, that that was one I enjoyed. Uh, real quick, a couple other people that I remember that are in Stand By Me is one of the Corys. I think it was Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. One of the Corys, <laughs> uh, and River Phoenix. Okay. So it was like a, a group of them. Uh, I think it would have been really funny if Jerry O'Connell had been the adult Ben, because it just <laughs> would have been. Old f- now. It would have been the. F- yeah, not really. <laughs> like right around, he's in his forties. It it would have been a full circle moment of fat kid to skinny kid from a Stephen King movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that could have been funny. I, I, I would have appreciated probably, and enjoyed it on many levels if he was cast as Jerry. As, as if he was cast as Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, just make it super meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I get Stand By Me mixed up with that one other thing. What is it the one with Talison or is it the one with Will Wheaton and Elijah Wood? Uh, the good son, the bad kid, the, the that one. I'm not sure. I'm wondering if is Will Wheaton. There's another kid that's. Is it Will Wheaton? Okay, so I think Will Wheaton is in Stand by Me. It might be. He's in one of those ones, and I it's, and I can never uh, yeah, remember Will which Wheaton one it is. Will Wheaton is in Stand by Me. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. It's hard not to say it that way. It it really is. Um, but yeah, so I I haven't seen that one. I never really felt the need to see that one. It just kind of really wasn't 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 for me. And I didn't think that I needed that in my life. Ooh, guess what? Guess what other Stephen King thing I've seen? What? Dr. Sleep. You have. Did you want to talk about that or did you want to talk about some of the other ones? Uh, I mean, not unless there was any that you wanted to touch on. Because um, you've seen more than me. That's true. Uh, the Mist is another one of those ones where I think Stephen King gets the... Rep- oh! Hey. Did he do Rose Red? Did he do Rose Red and I just I know there's the one about the evil, like, what is it, like, copy machine? (laughs) (laughs) So, that's why it's... 
is, you're like, it could be anything. Really? He is the reason behind one of my favorite cutaway jokes in Family Guy, which is Stephen King meeting with his literary agent. And he's like, okay, we we need something from you. What have you got? And Oh, that's right. And he looks around and he... He's like, there is, and he picks up a lamp, an evil lamp that goes around and hunts people down and kills people. Ooh. And his agent's like, you're not even trying anymore, are you? <laughs> I just think that's really funny. And it's something I've always remembered from Family Guy. Um, some of the other stuff. So we, d- we talked about, uh, we talked about a lot of different things when it comes to what's going on with Stephen King stuff. I want to kind of run through really quick some of the uh, TV adaptations that we missed. What what was it? Uh, the Dome? Is that... Is Under that the Stephen? Dome. Under the, the Dome. The one... Ah, no, hey. back at it. <laughs> no, get your back at it. No, get your back at it. Get the kitty wise. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So yeah, under the dome, which had the big wait, but I have to ask: Does the does Pennywise make the kitty evil, or is the kitty already evil? That's the moral question. Pennywise will run away from the kitty. <laughs> he Ar- have Arwen it. would be the hissing kitty that, like, from the Mummy. Yes. <laughs> I when I think of movie cats, I think. For Arwen, I always think of the mummy. Yep. The one that hisses and makes the mummy go away. <gasps> that is exactly Arwen. That is exactly who she is. And she haunts things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, but yes, yes, Under the Dome, which had that thing of the dome coming down and you couldn't get in or out, but then also sliced the cow in half. And I was like, no, nah, thanks. <laughs> I remember my parents watching that and liking it. And I remember it has Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I think it got canceled. It did. That's the thing about... I think it filmed in North Carolina. I think that was maybe another thing, or at least part of it. I don't know. I think that was another thing that was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, it's me. Um, so some of the other ones, there were Salem's Lot, which I've seen parts of. The Stand, which I think is a lot of people. I've seen The Sand Lot. Okay. I did not. No, that's definitely not Stephen King. <laughs> okay. I don't no, know. No, no, Amy. The, our listeners are like, no, Amy, no. That's okay. Every, if, it's, if I don't say something wrong every time I'm on any sort of thing, then I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, the Stand, I know, is a lot of people's favorite things, but I've never that? seen the it. The Stand? The Stand. I think it's the one with the vampires. I, I say this like I know things. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, a big one with that. Do, 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 do. Only minor changes. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's the one with the vampires um, and the big walk. Um, the Langoliers, which is the one with the airplane hanger. Which, oh, I love them. They're a good, really good band. This is... If you were wondering why our episode opened with a pun, this is why. Because, Casey, we were like, I what just, should we do to open this episode? I felt like referencing the Lumineers. <laughs> <laughs> Not the was like, we, should, we should try to do Stephen King puns. <laughs> uh, the Shining, da, 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 da. Quicksilver. Let's see, The Dead Zone, which was a thing. Did you watch the show? Uh, I did not. I've seen bits. You have Under the Dome. You have the eleven twenty two sixty three, which is the time travel one with James Franco. It looked interesting. I never saw it. It was uh, I'm mad about James Franco. It's still on Hulu. Uh, oh, wait, he did Ca- Castle Rock as his? Yeah, that's why I keep trying to get people to watch it with me. Because it's a, it's set in like his universe of stuff. I did not know this. I don't what know do many know? things of Stephen King. No, because when I tried to talk to you about it, you were like, let's watch the Tour de Pharmacy instead. I mean, it was funny. <laughs> it was a bike riding thing with balls hanging out. It was hilarious. <laughs> but I would like to eventually watch Castle Rock because it has Lizzie Kaplan and I love her. Okay. Well, now finally someone will agree to watch it with me. Uh, Creep Show is a thing. Outsiders. I did see that. That looked interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to run through that because I was like, I knew that was something Seems like else. a lot of Hulu stuff is. I thought he did Rose Red. Like, I thought that was a Stephen King thing. He did Red Rum. Yeah. It's a... Sorry. I guess it was a miniseries that he wrote and not a miniseries based on something he wrote. 
<laughs> the based on part was is why it. I couldn't get it to appear in a list. <laughs> I liked Rose Red. Rose Red, a friend of mine and I watched. There was like three parts. It had the girl from Halloween Town in it and other people. And basically, it was like The Haunting or The Haunting of Hill House where like everyone's in this big fancy mansion and like doing stuff. And it... Chapter two. Meh. <laughs> and this girl had like special powers about communicating with like other worldly kind of spirits. And the house itself was evil and it cut off people's fingers and did all this crazy stuff. And I remember really liking it. My friend and I watched it. We recorded it onto VHS before we and watched it before we went to school in the morning. <laughs> and I've told this story to people before. I don't know if I told it to you versus like someone else I was having a conversation with Stephen King about. But there's a guy in it called Emery who gets his fingers chopped off in the door because the door like shuts on them. Mm. And so he's left with like, if you hold up your hand and fold down your four fingers. Like with Frodo. That's where his thing, his. Yes, except. You have to, you have to use it in terms that I understand. I understand Lord of the Rings. (laughs) You can't understand my hand in front of your face. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to be like the audience. It's more. But you fold down all of your fingers and you're just left with your thumb out. That's what Emery's hand was like. So my friend and I would pass each other, and I think we were in like middle school or something, and go like, Emery with our Actually, hand. I think I've heard an abbreviated version of the story. Yeah. And so we, we, you're basically doing a thumbs up, but like, you know, not as a thumbs up. And you're like, Emery. So sideways. A thumb sideways. Ow! She's hurting me. <laughs> It's Stephen King. It's supposed to hurt. Oh, no. Like the runtime. It hurts. <laughs> Speaking of runtimes, Dr. Sleep had a very long runtime. Most yeah, of his but, stuff has a very long runtime. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't really feel that way. So I mean, do you want to talk about The Shining before we talk about Dr. Sleep? Uh, Sure. So The Shining, I saw. I liked it. I, I need to watch it again. Uh, But yeah. I was told as a child I was not allowed to watch it by my mother who saw it as a young person and was very freaked out by it. And then I grew up to be the person that I am today and was like, no, I want to watch it. And then I did. And now people watch it. I think the part of the mysticism with that one is the, the, the mix of uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie yeah. versus the, the book, uh, which I feel like Stanley Kubrick being Stanley Kubrick, you know, he tends to overshadow the source material. Yeah. Because this is more well known. Like, for example, uh, A Clockwork Orange. Like, I love that movie. I can't watch it. I understand. <laughs> it's a it's a great movie, but yes, it is a very tough watch. But the dude is an interesting person. Yeah. Uh, but, meaning uh, Stanley Kubrick. So I, but he's I, really I, good at, like, cinemat- like, cinematography. He's really good at it. And that, and that was and the thing, that they wanted to make sure. So, Dr. Sleep was all about had writing, walking that tightrope of uh, honoring the the book, but also the movie. Yep. So, it, it kind of does both. And mm-hmm. it seems to be pretty well. I mean, it's not having read the book. Uh, from what I saw and know of, like, the movie, it it seemed to do a good job yeah. of that. Uh, but it also made a point of just like with the movie of The Shining, having like long takes and using lots of master shots and not using jump scares. Yeah. Uh, no, and more atmosphere. You know when the scare is coming every single time. Yeah. But it's still scary. Yeah. It's that long, drawn out thing where like every once in a while there's like that because like the music goes along with it yeah but everything else is like you feel the draw like the dawning sense of horror that the character is feeling yeah and i think that's why i liked i thought this was better made than uh it, it chapter two i mean we, we keep going back to it, it but it, it relied it just, on it. it it was just like i i it went too jump scary where the first one didn't really even do that uh we have a kitty joining us she likes the shining she likes creepy things she's like i relate uh but yeah i think that's truly more like a master of horror movie making when you don't need to rely on jump scares because it's it can be easily used as a crutch and i think 90 percent of the time it is a crutch yeah like there's i think i think of a couple moments in dr sleep and also the shining that do have like that jump scare feeling which is like 
that turn around and something's there. But it's not overused and it feels earned a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to say like, oh, if you do a jump scare, you bad, you suck. No, it's just like. But it's one thing. Those, you know, you know yeah. those horror movies. It's like, okay, without the jump scares, you got nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no other creep factor. Yeah, but I, I felt like the characters were really developed, especially the villains. Yeah, I could go the villains on were and people. On. I could go on and on about the villains in Doctor Sleep and how good they were. So the So just to, to preface it, yeah. in case people haven't seen Doctor Sleep or and they don't care about spoilers, the shining, you know, is Jack Torrance and his wife and his son and Danny Torrance, the son, survives. And this is, and so does the wife. But uh, the this Doctor Sleep is the follow up where Danny has grown older and kind of been just living his life and figuring out how to survive the trauma and also the shining uh, that he has and just dealing with all of that. And it's it's very interesting. But just so you understand the the evolution of this, yeah. Uh, so the. The villain. I mean, it's it's almost even hard to call them the villains, even though they the antagonistic even they force murder a little boy in front of your eyes. Yeah, they do that and uh, eat him. Uh, but they have a point of view, and like that's really all you can ask for from a villain or antagonistic force. Uh, I think that they did a really good job of it because they're basically a group of nomadic people that lean on each other as a family and like, they've been alive for centuries right and the, it's they have to feed on people with the shining or these, these like special gifts in the, order to survive they feed on their smoke as they call it yeah so or their steam yeah it's essentially like their life force that they mm-hmm. have to to live off of and you they get a lot of screen time mm-hmm. uh, especially the two main ones which is uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who is from, uh, I know mostly from the Mission Impossible movies, the recent ones. She's also the opera singer in The Greatest Showman. Yes. Uh, she's really good. Has the cool one of the coolest outfits ever. Oh, yeah. I love, here's the thing, okay? I know I get like a reputation about loving creepy things and loving the bad guys. and blah, 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 blah. Her, her outfits are amazing. I want a lot of them. I would wear them. Yeah. It was like... The thing that stuck out to me when I saw the trailer for this is like, oh, Rebecca Ferguson looks so good. <laughs> and her outfits are so cool. <laughs> I must see this movie. <laughs> uh, but I, I too can feel cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the other uh, main person in the group is, uh, they call him the crow. Uh, crow daddy. Crow daddy, yes. Uh, and I was like, where's this guy? And I figured it out about halfway through the movie where I recognize him from. He is from the really, really good episode of uh, Westworld season two that deals with uh, a Native American character trying to get back to his wife, who uh, is the lady, little fun fact, the lady from episode four of The Mandalorian, the lady in the little village. Oh, I like her. So I just... The, those two actors and that episode made an impression on me so that's why I was like oh it, it's the guy uh, and so like I I really liked that whole part which is a big chunk of the movie Again, it really is like we spend enough time with them that you you understand what their motivations are and like it, it's not so much that you agree with like their means to an end to survive but you you can understand where they're coming from with like the this is what we do to survive this is you know the order of things because i think like i mean i don't know as an actor and as a moviegoer it's something that doesn't happen a lot and it's something i was really able to appreciate because i'm like okay if i were playing this part i have plenty to go on and i like to not see yourself as a bad guy yeah i have plenty to chew on of like okay this makes sense in their eyes i could i could see Mm -hmm. uh specifically with rebecca ferguson i knew what she was thinking and like i could see her making this the decisions and i knew exactly why she was doing Mm -hmm. all of this and i mean mostly it came down to survival but it was you know it was keeping her family safe and her friends safe and just 
And then she would recognize it in others and invite them in to this family. Like, they have that scene in the beginning where, like, this person, you know, has this skill and has, like, this spark that they're like, no, you're not food, you're family. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Insert Finding Nemo reference. Cool people are friends, not food. (laughs) Uh. But, but yeah, I mean, like the the performance of it was was really good. The the little girl, uh, who played the the main young girl, yeah, was great. Yeah, I and I like that it was it was very it felt very modern. It didn't have those sort of uh, outdated attachments mm-hmm. like a lot of Stephen King's work has. Uh, but I like like their first interaction together is. They're like, let's go somewhere else because, like, he's like, it's real. It's, it's really weird to have, like, me, 40 year old man, talking to this random child girl. Yeah. <laughs> this runaway child. Yeah, he's like, this does not look good. <laughs> we need to, like, this is not right. <laughs> and it was it was a funny moment, but it's just, like, acknowledging, like, yeah, uh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also had a good uh, speaking of having kitties yeah. who is sitting on her favorite. Her newfound favorite There was pillow. a good kitty. There's a good kitty in, in that. Very fluffy kitty. Yes. Uh, it just it just worked for me. The movie... Yeah. It, it just... Visually, like, it was a visually stunning movie. And it, it felt like a mashup when it comes to, like, Stephen King movies. It felt like a mashup between what Stanley Kubrick did with The Shining and what the director did in Dreamcatcher with, like, the color tones and the, the quietness of it. And I, I think visually this movie just works so well when it comes to, like, them projecting themselves and going to look at things in the vastness of the dream world. Yeah, because there's a lot of, like, connection to other people in two different places. Mm-hmm. And there's even, like, a am astral projecting flying through the world. And it didn't look weird. Stupid. Yeah, it like, the CGI in this was actually really good because it was used... For the right reasons. Yeah. And it was used... It wasn't used for laziness. Just, just for storytelling purposes. Yeah. Like, it wasn't used because you were too lazy to do it in person. It was used to expand your world, which yeah. feels like the right way to do it. Kind of like, you know, with Lord of the Rings, where, you know, they use it to make their world feel bigger rather than to make everything feel real. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, you and McGregor was, did great. He did. I was a little worried because the one of the things that turned me off of the book Doctor Sleep was its focus on alcoholism because I'm just not much for alcoholic storyline, but I liked that it wasn't the whole thing and that like it, that was just like a bit. Yeah, it it definitely I actually enjoyed it in this because he ha- it it's something that A was dealt with really quickly yep. and it was like only like the launching point for his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he very quick that's why his character is so likable. Because at first he, you know, he's Gross. he turns to alcohol because it's it's what his dad did, and he's trying to follow in his footsteps, but ended up doing it anyway. Uh, but he quickly gets out of that. He goes to rehab and and all these things, and he becomes a kind. It it lets him really draw out the kind nature that he truly has because yeah. he starts uh, he starts working at a hospital. And that's why he's called Doctor Sleep because he can, he helps basically people pass on. Yeah, he he's the person that talks to people in their final moments, and so he just has this really sweet nature to mm-hmm. him, uh, and it just made me like him as a as a protagonist. That's why I also really liked with his relationship with the kid. Yeah, is like he never once with all the fear he had around like his shining and the nature of like the stuff from the hotel following him around and having to lock it up um he never rejected her talking to him yeah even before they like actually met each because other. it's like almost normal it's the normal yeah. for him uh and i like that and he never talked down to her no, not once. Cuz he i mean they were he was her yeah. as a kid uh and so i i think it made sense for him because sometimes with like, I don't know, it wasn't like an escort mission, but just like looking after somebody like that, it's like a, you often ask this question of like, well, why are you doing this mm-hmm. besides for plot reasons? 
uh, I just think that because we have seen him truly compassionate about individual people, yeah. it made perfect sense that he would go out of his way to help this person. Yeah. Because it, A, yeah. reminded him of himself, but also, like, you know, she needed to be protected and, yeah. like, and helped. And it was just... The right thing to do. The right thing to do. And so... And he tried to go about it the right way. He tried to, like, talk to her parents and, like, get them to understand yeah. and be like, no, you're not running off with some creepy old guy. And you know what? To add on to that, that's why, like, you know, we're, we're talking spoilers, of course. Uh, her dad gets killed. And that's why it was really sad because, mm-hmm. like, most horror – I mean, horror movies will just kill people off for mm-hmm. no reason. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, but they were so nice. Like, that made it hurt more. Yeah. Or, like, that made it affect me as a viewer more because it's like, oh, man, that sucks it's because a- it's, like, this all these things catching up to them and, like, they don't deserve it. And mm-hmm. and it just... Him and the friend. Yeah, it just... It made it more tragic and gave it meaning versus just, like, well, we're going to kill off the next... Who's the next person on the chopping block? Yep. Uh, it gave weight to the characters. It gave weight to us as And the viewers. sacrifices that they were making yeah. to, to make sure none of this happened in the future. Because if it were like a lot of other movies, it could have easily... Most of them I would have been like, oh, that sucks. Yep. But with that, like some of the minor character deaths, I was really upset by yeah. it. I was like, oh, no, that's... Uh, it frustrated me in a good way. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, they did a really good job just setting up character relationships and giving everything a feeling of being real enough for you to care it's it's how i felt in the shining because like you really feel like the fear of the mom and danny and all of that and the weight of like watching the the person that they love like deteriorate and in this movie you get that same sense of realness of like these people who are just trying so hard to do what they think is the right thing. I also just really enjoyed like how smart like the characters got to be that felt like they would actually be that smart. Mm-hmm. Like using the girl's talents to lure people in and the seatbelt thing. Oh yeah. Like that was really good. Yeah. Like those it was just smart and and the, the other thing is like you know, most things like this, especially when they're a sequel or like drawing from other material, you have to have your final stand. You have to go back where it all started yeah. and that sort of thing. And that it, it can get very tired. But for me, in this case, it felt very earned because they took the time to explain. And because the movie was very easy to follow. Yep. Uh, even if you didn't really know much about the show, they, like you they can definitely call back to The Shining just enough to have it make sense, they didn't rely on the shining. Right. And and it they because they took the time the time to explain everything, mm-hmm. going back to the hotel and everything made sense because they did what most people won't do, which is actually take a second to explain like we have to go back here and here is why. Yeah, because like, it also it's wasn't, so surprising. You know, so many people don't give the why. It, yeah, and I also really like that it was a choice. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, we have to go back. It was like, no, I don't want to go back here because this is, like, the place of my trauma and all these horrible things. But this is the place that can... We can't beat this lady. This place will eat her alive. Yeah. And so, so I'm willing to give up w- myself and my safety so that you, young child girl, and... Young Padawan. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> and all of the other people in the world who have the shine or will get this shine don't have to worry that this person's going to try to come eat them. Yeah. Cause it also made way for, you know, other people in the shine too. Cause it mm-hmm. stopped the, the a force circle. that's hunting yeah. them down. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I, we've, we've talked a lot. We've, we've, we've talked a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, we've talked almost as long as a Stephen King movie. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, as you can see through the the course of this episode, there's a lot of good stuff that Stephen King brings to the table, and there's also a lot of rough stuff. Yeah, and I think he 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 has the building blocks for really good stories. I think it helps to have another person come in and be like, this part maybe not, yeah. maybe not the the giant cosmic turtle. Yeah, like <laughs> it. 
he is proof that sometimes having a producer or an editor or like a consultant can be a good thing. Yes. Uh, because like in this case of Dr. Sleep, I, I keep saying so many things about it, but it's because I enjoyed it so much because it seemed like the right, like the, the best possible way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the length was what it needed to be. And it just oh, yeah. the, don't it, let the runtime scare you. It doesn't feel that long. Yeah, it it's how good movies are made. Yeah. You do what you need to do. You give us character development. You give us interesting plot. You do all the th- there's like that baseline check marks that you have to mm-hmm. check off for for movies. And I think that you know with Stephen King, you have to to edit it a bit. Yeah, to get the best possible version out of it. And so, in that sense, I, I want to end this on, like, a couple postulations, I guess. Do you think that they are or should make, like, a Stephen King cinematic universe? Like, do you think that it, it and Doctor Sleep need to relate to each other? There was... What was the thing? So... There was her, something that connected There it. is. So, her, the mom... Before being in The Shining, like before The Shining, was a librarian in Derry, Maine. Okay. So that's. I knew there was like some sort of connection. So, and I don't know how much they say or do it in the movies. I can't remember for the life of me, but I do know that somewhere in the referendum of all that is the fact that she was a librarian in Derry, Maine. Okay. I mean. I mean, that's. Stephen King does that in all of his books. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it, and I wouldn't, as much as, you know, we talked about it, chapter two and everything, like, I wouldn't, they make sense if they were kind of in the same universe. And, and there's the thought that those kids have the shining, and that's why they can deal with Pennywise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Stephen King just came out with a new book. I'm going to say the wrong title. It's something like The Institute. Um, that's basically like X-Men, but shining. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, governmentally run, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind it uh, like a more like tied together universe. I don't necessarily need it, but I do want to see more of this side of like the Shining verse. Yes, <laughs> I like see, and that's why I like that better. And I saw something about how you know they want to do some Pennywise spinoffs, and I'm like, I don't need more Pennywise. Yeah, I like mean, I guess that he's in Stephen King's books. He kind of pops up in a couple different ones in like blinking you'll miss it references mm-hmm. as like still being alive or other things because one thing that they don't do in it chapter two that they did in the miniseries and in the book is that there were eggs that they had to destroy like pennywise laid some eggs mm. and that maybe they didn't get all of them i mean i like i said I, so i'm done with like the it's side of it but if you know, we get some shining kids, some shining X Men to go <laughs> deal with the Pennywise. I mean, like, we should get I, some new mutants first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm. I would be down for something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it could be fun. As long as it's not like a rush thing, or like you know, on a specific schedule. Like you know, we get Marvel movies three times a year. I don't think it needs to be on that sort of level. But if they wanted to tie it in. I wouldn't be mad. No. And I think that Doctor Sleep is a better showing of, like, the direction they should go than It Chapter 2. Yeah. It chapter Like, It Chapter 1 and Doctor Sleep have a, uh, have a better tie about good movies and, like, good sense of storytelling and pacing because, like, chap- It Chapter 1 also didn't feel rushed. Yeah, it or- was, like, almost two and a half hours, but it... I just, I was interested in it and I wanted to keep going with it. Yeah. That's how I felt with Dr. Sleep as well. Yeah. And I feel like they just kind of weren't sure how to fully tell the story with a chapter two. And they, they were too scared to not have the kids. And so like a lot of it suffered because they weren't, they were hedging their bets in a lot of places. Yeah. But I, I think that there could be some really cool stuff in like the Stephen King multiverse uh, headed up. I would be okay with a cosmic turtle. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, is it cosmic turtle, turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, until the cosmic turtle makes its debut, uh, I am Case Crusader on all the things, and she is Amory by the Sea on all the things. They, That's right. I'm doing the. You're closeout. doing the outro. Oh. What?
We haven't. We've been talking about Stephen King, but we gotta throw in that Shyamalan twist. So, <laughs> she turned my head for those of you who can't see, which is all of you. Uh, yeah, we we are back. We're uh, got some cool cool stuff yeah. uh, on the horizon. Some stuff planned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did did you want to like? Shout out. Okay, non We're gonna do the Mandalorian. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, we're gonna do a, an episode of the Mandalorian. We're gonna do Mandalorian. We're gonna talk some James Bond. Yeah. Uh, whatever else you think that we should talk about, we can talk about. Yeah. You should let us know. Just tell us. We want to know. <laughs> we're always around on Twitter and Instagram. And. and you still end up doing that. You, you, you. You gave me a segue! Oh no! Why did I give her the silly vehicle? <laughs> uh, but we will see you guys soon. Or you will listen to us soon. <laughs> you will listen to us. We will not hear you. Okay, fine. Have it back. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us this week on Talk Nerdy to Me, baby. Come back again next week where you will hear us. We will not hear you until after you talk to us on the internet. But we are thankful for you listening. Please rate and review Luminaires. this. <laughs> Please rate and review this because it helps us and it helps people find us and make our community grow. Grow. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>